Amen. And that's why we're here, is just to worship Jesus. Uh, the Father says, true worship is in spirit and in truth. And as we want to be truthful, we want to be spiritual, we certainly want to worship the Lord. Today I'll be talking about the fifth in the series on Jesus' I Am statements. Today is one of my favorites. And it is out of the 11th chapter of John, where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I'll pick it up at verse 17 of chapter 11 of John. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he died, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Death. We all stare in its black face from time to time. We've all had those experiences. You know, when you stand at a graveside and you stare at a casket, sometimes in disbelief, sometimes it was not expected. It was an unintended death, you think. Why? And you have all these questions about why, why now? Why this person? Why me? Why am I having to deal with this particular thing? Death is the enemy's last bastion of hope. Satan laughed. The laughter of Satan could go down the corridors of hell as Jesus breathed his last on the cross that day. You could hear that satanic laughter everywhere. Here's the thing. We all face death. You've, many of us have faced it many times over in our lives. Sometimes it's unexpected, sometimes it's expected, but at any time, it's, it's never well received. Jesus was having a hard time helping the disciples understand what death was all about. You see, you and I have the benefit of the Gospels and, and the Epistles and, and the Scriptures. We have the benefit of the Bible, but they didn't have that in those days. And it was a pretty dismal scene for them. Jesus was their leader. He was the one that was going to establish the throne of David and to rid them in that Roman occupation, reestablish their nation of Israel into its former prominence. And yet, things didn't look too well for them. I mean, in the previous chapter where he had healed a blind man, we see where Jesus is confronted in Jerusalem. For the Bible says that the festival of dedication at Jerusalem came. It was winter, 
Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. To which Jesus responded, knowing there's not a whole lot of time left. Let's get this thing out on the table. Jesus answered, I did tell you. You did not believe. What more do I need to do? Jesus says, the works that I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. I told you. I was very frank about it. So they picked up stones to stone him. And Jesus said, you're stoning me for what good work? Not for any good work. We're stoning you because you claim to be God, the Son of God. And Jesus said, you know, he got out of the temple area, went down to an area on the Jordan River where John the Baptist had baptized. And there he was working with the disciples. The Bible says there he stayed and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, the Bible says, many believed in Jesus. Now we're getting into that point where it's getting closer to the Passover. And we see Palm Sunday right around the corner. So here is Jesus. He's there trying to instruct the people when all of a sudden a courier, a messenger from Bethany comes to tell Jesus, the man that you love, Lazarus, is sick, very sick, and it looks like things are pretty dire. The reality is that on the very day that the courier told Jesus that Lazarus was sick, Lazarus died. So Jesus waited two more days. The Bible says that the disciples were experiencing a crisis of faith. Believe, the word believe is mentioned eight times in this particular chapter alone. The disciples wondered why Jesus would let his friend get sick if he really loved him after all, much less die. Oh, there had to be, there had to be some kind of a um, uh, relief in Thomas. I'll talk more about Thomas next week. But Thomas was one who knew that Jesus didn't need to be going to Bethany. After all, Bethany it was only two miles from Jerusalem. Didn't they try to stone you in Jerusalem just recently? And Jesus says, you know, we're not going to Bethany right now. So he waited two days. Thomas must have taken a sigh of relief. And then Jesus said, okay, it's time. Now, folks, Jesus works on Jesus' schedule. Okay? He's never late. He's never early. He's always on time. He doesn't consult your calendar, nor does he consult mine. I'm okay with that. Jesus has his own schedule. So here he lingered two days. The disciples thought that was kind of strange, knowing that he loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, that he would wait two days and not go. But they liked it. Thomas embraced it because that was two more days they didn't have to deal with somebody trying to stone their leader. And then Jesus got up and said, all right, 
time to go to Bethany. Oh, great, Thomas said. So the Bible says, Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Ah, my worst fears are coming to fruition, Thomas was thinking. I knew that if he, it, you know, if Jesus goes to Jerusalem, he's going to die. That's just all there is to it. Let's just go and die with him. It's over. Our hopes and dreams are wrapped in this, this man, Jesus, who we do believe is the Messiah. And yet he's not fulfilling our expectations of the Messiah at all. He's, try, he's not trying to establish a throne. Oh, Mary and Martha wondered why Jesus would let Lazarus die. You see, I don't know about you, but I have seen a lot of people at bedsides and at graves and at memorial services and thereafter have questioned why God would let that person die. What did Martha say? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's all your fault, Jesus. If you had been here, if you had done what we know you can do, Lazarus would still be alive. Mary, when Mary was told that Jesus was here, Mary came out to meet him and she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What does that tell you? Oh, there was a lot of discussion in that house. Where's Jesus? Where did he go? I mean, here our brother Lazarus. We know how much he loved him. And then there's the other Jewish ladies. Some of them saying, in verse 37, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? These are those Jewish ladies that were weeping with Mary and Martha. Jesus is just taking it all in. What did he tell Martha? I told you that Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Let us go to him. Wow, four days? Well, yes, because death is our last enemy, but Jesus had defeated it. The Jewish women followed Mary outside the village, later thinking that they were going to the tomb to mourn. Well, here's the scene. I want to give you five reasons why I think that Jesus wept. Because the Bible says in that small 35, Jesus wept. And the interesting thing about that is that there's that Greek word for weep that is only found here in the New Testament, never anywhere else. And it's not like the loud mourning and wailing of the, the ladies that are trying to comfort Mary and Martha. I don't know why you think wailing like that is comforting, but they were doing so. This word for the Greek, weep, is a word that means there was an intense inner uh, struggle or weeping. There was that, uh, that kind of experience where Jesus just wept. Well, five reasons I want to pose to you why Jesus wept. First of all, he had a personal loss. So many times I see people in grief share or people around uh, graves or wherever the 
the gatherings are that apologize for their tears. Don't ever do that. God has wired us to be in his own image. Uh, Jesus wept. He showed that this is a godly characteristic, a quality that God gives us, the ability to weep, to mourn over people that we love. The Bible says that, that Jesus loved him. The, the Bible says now a man from Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord, wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to him, Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And then verse 5 says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. That love, that intense love, that he literally lost a companion, a friend, somebody that he wouldn't see in this life again. Or would he? He did. But the reality is that when you and I are at the graveside, Jesus is there with us. He weeps right along with us. Lazarus was his dear friend. So never, never uh, apologize for weeping. Number two, I think that one of the reasons why Jesus wept is that he saw his own death and the grief that it would bring to his friends and his disciples. He said, uh, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. The disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. They didn't understand it. Jesus had to hit them right between the eyes. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Well, he knew not many days from that point. He would be nailed to a cross He'd be placed in a tomb, and he knew that the disciples would scatter. He knew that they would be in disarray. He knew that all of their hopes and dreams of that Messiah establishing that throne in Israel would be dashed. And having been with them some three years, eating with them, drinking with them, sleeping with them, doing miracles, performing miracles with them, seeing how God was moving in and through these villages that he visited. And yet, all of that would be over. He wept because he saw his own death, and he saw their grief in advance. Thirdly, one of these things that I think is, is one of my favorite points is that I think he wept because he had to bring Lazarus back from heaven. I don't know about you. I've had a number of people that ask me about my parents or our loved ones that I know, friends of mine. Wouldn't you like to have them back? I would, but I wouldn't dare want them to come back to planet Earth. Knowing what they're experiencing. Yeah, I can only imagine. If the Scripture says the eye hasn't seen, nor has the ear heard, it hadn't even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those of us that love Him. I don't I can't comprehend it. Have you ever talked to anybody who had a life after death experience as a believer? I have. And oh, the, the pictures. I even had one man said Jesus gave him the option. 
Are you ready to come home? Or do you want to go back? He had young children back there, and he said, I really wanted to stay. But I knew that I needed to provide for my family. <clears throat> Given the option. That's not true for all of us. But the, the, the depictions that of the true believers who have gone on to be with the Lord and yet come back to planet earth. Jesus knew Lazarus is in a perfect place. He has no pain. He has no sorrow. Now understand this was not a resurrection. This was a resuscitation. Lazarus was coming back for one purpose and that's to live a life of anguish, turmoil in this planet earth only to die again. Boy, I tell you what, when you look at it, you see as the Scripture starts talking about in, in these verses, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and seen what Jesus did believed in Him, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And at that point, they plotted to kill Jesus and Lazarus again. I love the way chapter 12 starts out, though. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served. Of course she did. Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. We don't have a single word that Lazarus spoke. But do you know what the subject around that dinner table would have been? Whoa. Tell me about it, Lazarus. You were in there four days. What was it like? What was heaven like? I mean, they talked about the bosom of Abraham. What was that like to be up there with Abraham and Moses? What was it like? Was, was it really beautiful as we have depicted through the Psalms? What was it like? And Lazarus just kind of reclining and having a good meal. Would you have loved to have been there? You're going to see him one day, by the way. Fourthly, I think one of the reasons why Jesus wept was the unbelief of his followers. I see the unbelief. Verse 26, he says, he asked Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he die, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? His followers were having a hard time understanding death and the positive aspect of a believer in Jesus Christ going on to be with him and to be with the Father. Jesus had tried so hard to help the disciples to understand that life on this earth is nothing compared to what God has prepared for those of us that love Him. Nothing. And yet, it was the unbelief of His followers, His disciples in verses 14 and 15, and, and, and Martha and the followers in verse 40. The Bible says, Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? They were astounded. Jesus went to the tomb with them, and Martha said, Lord, those of you that have the King James Version, I kind of like the way it reads on this one. He's been in there four days, and he stinketh. <laughs> well, nobody wants to stinketh. <laughs> and 
she said, you know, it's, it's, you don't want to do this. Jesus said, roll the stone away. And as he began to pray, he began to pray to the Father. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Can you imagine as Jesus calls Lazarus by name? He had to call him by name. If he didn't, he would have emptied the entire cemetery. (laughs) Ever think about that? Believe me, when Jesus is ready to call us home, he'll call us by name. We have a name. He knows our name. We have it. Sheep knows his shepherd. The shepherd knows his sheep. And Jesus says he calls them by name. Don't you love it? Lazarus. Only Lazarus. Come forward. So you can imagine this scene where this, this body who has now come back to life and wrapped in grave clothes and his legs and feet are, are wrapped as well, taking those little bitty tiny steps to try to get out. And as he comes to the opening of the tomb, Jesus says, someone go and bind him. Take those grave clothes off. He doesn't need them. He'll need them later on, but not now. When Jesus releases us, we're released indeed. So he's dealing with the unbelief of his disciples. They didn't, are you telling me you're going to revive a, a body that's been dead four days? And Jesus said, I did this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. Lazarus, come out take off his grave clothes and let him come to me wow so in my heart in my mind in my life I ask God forgiveness for my unbelief Lord I do believe but to help my unbelief I cry out sometimes God gives me a vision of things that are going to happen either in my life or in the life of this church and I look at him and I say you want me to roll the stone away, don't you? You're going to do something that only you can do. I can't do that. And Lord, forgive me for even having any little hint of doubt about what you can do and what you will do. What God really wants is for his believers among everyone else to know him, to believe in him, to embrace him, to follow him. Where are you in that process? Have you come to that place in your life where you've lost faith in in the Lord to do something, to perform what He said He will perform? Are you discouraged with God because He's not conducting His affairs in a way that you feel would be right? He's not consulting you on a daily basis. Why is that, you're asking? Well, sometimes I, I do believe that Part of the tears for Jesus was the unbelief of his followers. He knew he was going to be in that tomb in a few days himself. And yet he knew Peter would deny him. He knew Judas would betray him. He knew Thomas would have issues. He knew the other disciples would just be absolutely devastated. 
Do you know Jesus? Do you know what he's asking you to do? Have you been obedient in, in answering his call and whatever it might be? And I think fifthly, there's that unbelief of, his, of those who would never trust in him as their Lord and Savior. I don't understand how anybody to neglect so great a salvation as to trust in Jesus Christ, but they do. It, it blows me away when I read all the miracles that Jesus performed and people witnessing these miracles are still not going to believe in Jesus. The Bible says in John 12, 37, even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. Wow. Verse 41 and 42, Father, I thank you that you heard me, Jesus said. You, I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Wow. And then in 47, 48, when the Pharisees would get together, they said, here is a man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. What's wrong with this picture, they're saying? We're losing our audience. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Now we won't have any authority or power. We're just going to be like everybody else. So, we have this situation. From the day, that day on, the Bible says, they plotted to take his life. We've got to eliminate this Jesus. How do people who have access to the gospel, to the word of God, to the Bible, continue to reject Jesus? I have a hard time understanding that myself. But they do. The stubbornness of man, the, the blackness of their sin, the, the fact that our sin separates us from a fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. I have the most difficult time understanding when presented logically how anybody, young or old, male or female, whatever the case might be, would reject Jesus Christ. But they do even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. Jesus gave us a parable in Luke 16. There was a rich man in Lazarus. This was not the same Lazarus. Just another man that Jesus named Lazarus. And this rich man, the Bible says, fared sumptuously every day. In other words, he had everything going that he wanted. He was a billionaire in today's terminology. He had all the food he wanted. He had all the luxuries of the day. He had everything he wanted. Really didn't need God. And he was a religious man. He was a religious man. And all the scraps of the table would fall to the floor and would feed poor Lazarus, who was a godly man, knew the Lord. So when death came to both of them, Lazarus, the poor man, went to heaven, to Abraham's bosom. The rich man died and went to hell. The Bible says, the rich man in hell answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. 
let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Wow. Jesus rose from the dead. And people still are not convinced. And the gates of hell open wide to those who refuse Jesus. Well, I don't know about you. It's going to be one of those questions. No, I won't ask it in eternity. It won't even be on my heart or mind. But while I'm on this land, in this earth, in this life, for the life of me, I cannot understand how anybody could reject a life abundant and eternal by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you trusted Him? That's my question. Whether you're here in person or watching this online, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? The first Sunday of each month is a day that we celebrate the Lord's Supper and the symbolism of the bread and the the juice being the body and the blood of Jesus. If you're at home watching this, if you take a cracker, we have these cups self-contained in the backs of the pews here physically. If you would take that. The Bible tells us this. He says, so then... Let everyone examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. Because whoever eats of the bread or drinks from the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. So take these next few moments, if you will, and reflect upon God's grace. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we come before you today just extremely grateful for who you are, for what you're accomplishing here. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of drawing close to you through your only begotten Son, Jesus. And given that privilege, Lord, I pray that we take it seriously, recognizing there is also a responsibility to share that unique relationship with other people. Father, thank you. Be with us now. May we honor and glorify you above everything else, Father, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless.